Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you'll open your Bibles again to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, we're going to uh, be looking uh, at verse 10. Actually, you know what? Let's start with verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You may be seated. If you're like me, you have periods in your life where you question what it is that God has for you to do. You, you question your value. Uh, you question your purpose, either brought on by uh, circumstances around you or mistakes that maybe uh, we've made, uh, decisions that we made or uh, something that we've done or, or maybe we're just uh, facing uh, you know, uh, turbulent circumstances out of our control and those trials and those tribulations that we face in life and we begin to question what, uh, who we are in Christ and we begin to question what it is that we're here for. Why did God put us here? And one of the things I believe the enemy loves to do with you and I is he loves for us to question our value. He loves for us to be confused about our value, about our purpose. Because when the enemy uh, comes, he knows our weaknesses. Uh, and he knows uh, how to get you to stumble and how to get you to fall. He knows exactly what to say and what to put in your path that would distract you. Amen. So he knows that flattery can make you fall. He knows that negativity can make you fall. Some, some people, uh, we, uh, we react negativity, negatively to flattery. What I mean by that is it puffs us up and it makes us prideful. And the Bible tells us that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so the enemy, he knows that he can uh, flatter us uh, to get us to fall because of pride, to have an inflated view of ourselves. But then he also knows that he can speak negatively into our hearts and into our minds. And he can place people in our lives who speak negatively over us and cause us to question our value in the opposite direction. Rather than uh, 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 being prideful and arrogant, actually questioning, you know, do we deserve God's grace and mercy? Questioning, uh, do we provide any value in the kingdom of God is, is, is probably a better way of putting it. What do I give to God? What value do I have? What can I do for him? What can I possibly do for God? The Bible tells us uh, 
in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 here that you and I were created. We are Christ's workmanship. Now, I learned something interesting that word workmanship in the Greek actually means poem. It, it comes, the Greek word there is where we get our word poem. Now, I'm not a poet. Uh, I'm not skilled in that area. I'm not a great writer. I'm not a great speaker. I'm not, you know, I, I, when it comes to the uh, English language, I struggle greatly. And that was my worst subject in high school. It was boring. I hated it. Uh, I, I still remember things like jarring phrases, and I just want to punch myself in the face. I'm just not a skilled in that way. Um, but maybe some of you are skilled in writing and poems. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that if you've ever produced something from your heart, it has intrinsic value to you. And I know my older brother, uh, he was and is very talented with uh, expressing himself uh, in, 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 uh, in writing. And he was always talented with poems, uh, writing poems. Uh, and uh, I can remember there were, there were certain poems of his that would just um, touch your heart. Uh, and you could tell they came from deep within. They meant something to him. He poured himself into it. And it was a work of art. It was, it was no one else could produce it, right? Someone else could read it. Someone else could maybe try to take credit for it. But the truth is, uh, you, it came from him. And it was special because it came from his heart. And it's unique because he gave it its uniqueness, right? If you're an artist in any way, if you know how to draw, paint, sculpt, whatever it is, when you, when you, if there's a difference in when you're producing something from deep within you versus when someone tells you what they want you to do. Right? Billy used to say uh, when he was younger, uh, when it, uh, you give him anything uh, in art class, he would get bad grades because uh, they would give him an assignment to do a specific thing, and Billy would do the exact opposite, or he would do whatever he wanted to do. If they taught him to draw, for example, a triangle, he would draw a square. Uh, if they taught him to, you know, draw something or do something, he would do the opposite. Uh, when he would write papers, I, I remember one time in particular. Uh, that they uh, had him write a paper and they gave him the topic when he was in elementary or middle school. I, I can't remember exactly exact, uh, how old he was. Uh, and he wrote this huge paper about a dragon and, and adventures and this, this amazing paper. And the, he got a bad grade on it. And the teacher talked to Kelly and said, this was an amazing story. Well written. It was awesome. It was engaging. Unfortunately, this was the assignment. Bill would get Lego sets, and he would never build what the set was supposed to be. And my mom would ask him, Billy, why do you not follow the instructions? And Billy would say, uh, they're just suggestions. <laughs> because it was more, more fulfilling to produce what was in your heart and a part of you rather than what someone was telling you to do. Does that make sense? And all of us have that in our lives. You are more excited. You are more attached to that which comes from deep inside of you. And the Bible says that we are God's poem. That means you and your life was individually written 
by God. You are unique and you are special. But your uniqueness and the, your, the fact that you are special does not come from you. They come from God. We have an alphabet. It's 26 letters. None of those letters in and of themselves are special. They become special when what? Someone takes them and starts to make words out of them. And now words, on their own, they, they, they have a meaning, but typically they need to be put together in a structure to actually have any kind of value. Right? And so with you and I, God takes our lives, there's nothing special about us, he simply takes us and he makes us special. He gives you value. He gives you purpose. Like a pawn, he uniquely wrote your life from start to finish. You are God's poem. You are God's artistic expression. You are belong to God. You are created by God. You are purposed by God. And that comes from God and God alone. It does not come from any talents or gifts that you have because your talents and your gifts may separate you from people, but it does not separate you uh, to give you special value in the sight of God. Our talents and our gifts may be honored by the world, but if they're not being used by, by God and being used for God, then they do not have the value that they were meant to have. Amen. My brother is an excellent writer and but I will tell you that uh, his writing is in vain when he's not using his gift for God. His creativity is in vain when it's not being used for God. So this morning I want to tell you that uh, you do have a purpose and you do have a plan and you are special and you are God's workmanship. And so if God has a plan for your life, if God has a purpose for your life, if you are really God's poem, if you really are God's workmanship, if God really uh, has something special for you to do, why is it so difficult sometimes to walk in it? Why is it so difficult sometimes to walk in what he's purposed us to do? Some of us will say, well, I don't really know what God wants me to do. I've argued with God for years about what he wanted me to do. And every time that he really told me what I was supposed to do, I told him he was wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. God, you, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like we take the red pen, remember your teacher's red pen, and we take it to the poem and say, God, uh, this part's not very good. And I don't agree with this part. You're circling, you're crossing stuff out, right? Uh, you're, you're checking God's uh, pay, his poem on you, what he's done for your life, what he's written for you. And you're telling God he made a mistake and that he's wrong and that you know better. And many of us do that to God where you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you don't want to acknowledge it. I, I believe in many cases when people say they have no idea what God wants them to do, it's because God's showed us that we don't want to. We want, for whatever the reason is. 
uh, we have a purpose, or he has a purpose, he has a plan for us, and we choose not to walk in that purpose or plan. I want to look at three examples today, and I hope that they register with you the way that they registered with me. The first is Jonah. Uh, Jonah was a prophet that God tasked to go to the city of Nineveh and to tell them that God was going to destroy their city uh, and, and they needed to repent. And uh, Jonah, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the Ninevites. They were evil people. Uh, they were uh, the capital city of a, a nation that was in the thorn in the side of Israel. Uh, Israel uh, did not like the, that nation, uh, did not like those people. And so when God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go do this, uh, if you have been in any church any amount of time, Jonah said no. Now we learn why Jonah said no. It was because of his pride. Now originally he said, I'm afraid of him. Uh, but what it really what we learn after he preached finally goes and he, he preaches to them and what God told him to say and the Ninevites all repent and repent from their evil ways and tear their clothes. Uh, he says, God, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place. I knew that you were going to forgive them. <laughs> they repent and you forgive them. All right. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to is Jonah was prideful. That man really believed that if he said no to God, that God couldn't do what God needed done. He really believed that if he got on a boat and went the opposite direction of where God told him to do, that God so needed him that if he did, then that God would not have mercy on the Ninevites because Jonah couldn't deliver the message. Now here's the thing. Our churches are filled with people who believe that God needs them. We have uh, pride and we have arrogance and we believe that we're so gifted and so talented. There are people that believe that they have so much to offer God uh, that if uh, they don't want to do it, they don't have to do it. Uh, because after all, uh, if God doesn't use them to do it, he ain't got nobody else. They believe that they're God's gift. Right? And we have, we have people that believe that in our churches today. They're just like Jonah. They're arrogant and they're prideful. I've had periods in my life, especially when I was young and I was stupid. Uh, and uh, I, I had pride and I was arrogant. And I actually had times in my life where I was like, ah, no one can teach like me. No one can preach like me. No one knows the word of God as good as I do. No one studies like me. Blah, 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 blah. And to make it uh, even better is I had people always telling me how great I was and how awesome I was. And for being so young, that's that whole part where the uh, devil will use flattery uh, to build you up so that you'll fall because he knows your weakness. And I, uh, I have a, uh, a problem where I need to be constantly told that I'm doing a good job. Uh, I need to be patted on the back. And uh, the problem is, is that when you pat me on the back and you tell me I'm doing a good job, my head goes goes from this big to this big in an instant, right? And especially when I was younger and I was prideful and I was arrogant and I believed that without me, God couldn't get it done. Well, let me tell you what God did. God showed me that even when I quit and pouted uh, and decided I wasn't going to do it anymore and essentially told him to leave me alone, uh, I thought I was punishing him and saying, God, ha, 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 you can't, uh, I ain't going to do it, so who's going to do it? 
right? And I, I, I was uh, spitting in God's face. God showed me very quickly, he didn't need me. There was always somebody else that could step in. I was so prideful of how I built up this class. I took credit. Now, I didn't build up the class. God sent the people and built up the class. But I was so prideful. It was standing room only. I mean, literally, the room was packed. And here I was, 20-something, 20 22, 23 years old. I had adults from my age all the way up through their 70s, their 80s. And they were packed into this room, standing to hear me talk. And I let pride start to fill me. And ultimately, pride is what nearly destroyed me. For I would never admit it at the time because I made justifications for why I was behaving the way I behaved. But now that I'm older, I can look back and know it was pride and arrogance. Believing that, what are they going to do without me? Believing that I was so special that they couldn't, and no one else could take it. And I remember when I heard who took my place uh, at that church, I was so very jealous. Because he took and began to take, and people just kept coming. It didn't matter that I wasn't there. <laughs> right? The human part of me. And so I think that we all have those times in our lives where we're like Jonah and we're like, God, uh, you know, if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done. And I don't want it done, so I ain't going to do it. Right now, we got to be honest with ourselves if we've ever had those times in our life where we where we've done that, or if that's something that we struggle with, or if pride is something we struggle with uh, that prevents us from walking in the call that God has for us, because God has no part in pride. Yeah. It matters not how gifted you and I are, or how talented you and I are. He doesn't work in pride. Pride leads to destruction. Because here's the thing. That phrase in verse 10, that we were prepared, prepared ahead uh, by Jesus for good works. We were created for good works. Good works is anything you do that brings glory to God. When you are not glorifying God with your actions, no matter how talented or gifted we may be, it's not a good work. If you come to church on Sundays or a person gets up to preach or a person gets up to sing and they're doing in their own talents, gifts, abilities and they're doing it out of a sense of pride, that's not a good work. Because you're doing it to honor yourself, not to honor God. A good work is anything that glorifies God, not me. And so if you and I are doing anything to be seen Instead of glorifying God, that's not a good work. But God has created you and I to do good works. He's, those of us that he's, those of you who he's gifted and maybe given you talents in areas that others are not talented in or gifted in areas that others are not gifted in, they should be used. We should be appreciate those, that giftedness, and use it for God and his glory. Amen. So we don't want to let pride keep us from serving God, walking in the purpose he has for us. There's another person in the Bible, her name was Esther. And Esther was the uh, wife of a king, 
And uh, she, uh, to make a very long story short, uh, the, the king was tricked into uh, signing a, a law to have uh, all of her people killed. And they began to build little execution stations all over the country uh, because uh, this, this one particular guy, uh, he hated uh, Esther's uncle. And in his return, he decided to pay back all of the Jews. And so he built uh, uh, these uh, uh, gallows all over the place to have the Jews killed, just exterminated. And uh, Mordecai, who was Esther's uncle, who she went to Esther, he went to Esther and said, Esther, you, you got to say something to the king. You, you can't do this. Uh, let, just sit and be quiet. He's going to kill everyone. And, and, and uh, you've got to do this. And she said, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I do not want to go before the king without being called or, or summoned by him because you know if I do, uh, he could kill me. That was the practice. If you went before the king without being summoned, you would be killed. And so she was afraid, very, very afraid. And Mordecai said, look, here's the deal. When it comes time and they start hanging everybody, you think you're going to get left out? Esther said, all right, I will face my fear. I'm going to go and pray, and you go and pray, and we'll seek direction. And she ended up doing the right thing. And she saved not only her uncle's life, but she saved the lives of her people. In fact, her people were honored, and her uncle was honored instead of having their life taken. Do not allow fear to keep you from walking in the purpose that God has for you. Do not allow a fear of your past. Do not allow a fear of what you perceive as your own inadequacies to keep you from walking in the purpose that God has for you to do. A fear that you can't do it. Uh, I can tell you that when I knew God was telling me of what I was supposed to do and I would say, nope, that's wrong, it was really out of fear. Because I knew in myself I could not do it. That I wasn't qualified that I, uh, I didn't have the skill sets necessary. And I could list the, 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 all of my shortcomings for hours that I gave to God. And the reason I told him it was wrong was because I allowed a fear of myself to override what it is God was telling me to do. And, and so that fear played perfectly right into my pride because I allowed my pride to justify what I was telling God no about in my fear. And so we must not allow a fear of our own shortcomings and what we see as our inadequacies to keep us from serving God, to keep us from walking in the call and the purpose that he has for you and I. So if the devil's whispering in your ear and telling you you're not good enough, that you don't have any gifts, that you don't have any talents, that you don't have any abilities, if the devil's whispering in your ear and saying you messed up too much, if the devil's whispering in your ear and he's whispering negativity all the time into your heart, into your mind, causing you to question whether God could ever use you, know this, God fashioned your life, he has a purpose for you and you're his poem. And the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians that God uses the weak things and God uses the things that man looks down upon uh, because they bring him the most glory. Mm -hmm. 
right? To tell uh, people, especially those who live in pride, that God ain't used you because you're so pretty. He used you because you're broken. A lot of people uh, in, in ministry, when they have any kind of a success, they become prideful and believe that it's something that they did. And I was a victim of that, uh, not realizing uh, that um, you were used because you were broken. God can use you because you're not everything that you're supposed to be. He can use you because the world looks down on you. He uses the broken so he can confound the wise. Amen. He uses those who are weak so when everything that God has planned and in store for us takes place, uh, the glory will be given to him so that none of us can glory. And, and that's why I read uh, first eight of chapter two of the book of, of Ephesians is because our salvation is only from God. It doesn't come from our works or how good we are or how, uh, how much we try to serve God or how obedient we are. It doesn't come from any of that. Our salvation is not based in us. It's based in God. Our life is based in him, not based on us. It's not based on uh, how gifted we are and who we are and how much we do. It's based on who God is. And so uh, don't let the world or people or let the enemy convince you that you cannot be used because of your circumstances or because of how you see yourself or because of the negativity spoken over your life, baby, when you were at a, a young age. But step out and do what God has for you to do. Don't let that fear control you. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this now? I'm preaching it because we're in a, a very important season uh, in our church. I, I've got the lease that I just signed and Pete was the witness for. I, I put my name on the line, folks, back there. We're in a new season. And if we're going to see God do what God wants to do, the poem that he wants to write for this body, for this church, you and I got to get to walking and stepping in what God's called us to do. We can't sit on the pews in pride, and we can't sit on the pews in fear, and, and both of them causing us to be uh, uh, paralyzed and not walking what God has us to do. Amen. If you're sitting there today and you're saying, well, I don't have a problem with pride. I have a problem with so-and-so. They hurt my feelings. Let me tell you something. That's pride. If I look at someone and say, you spoke to me the wrong way, and I decide I'm not serving God, that's pride. Right? Uh, it could also play a part in fear, because we fear rejection. We don't like to be rejected, so if we feel like someone's rejecting us, that can shut us down. As we feel like we're being rejected, and so that shuts us down, and so we stay on the pew. Don't let someone else's view of you Keep you from walking in what God has for you to do, whether it's pride or fear, whether it's they put you up on a pedestal or they knock you down to the ground. Don't let that control you and be the final word over your life. Let God's word be that final word over your life. What he says, he that started a good work in you, he will finish it. Yes. He will make us everything that we're supposed to be in the image of his son. He will make us and accomplish the purpose he has for our life. But like Jonah, if we're prideful, 
and we try to go the opposite direction, all we did was double the distance to get where God's going to bring us in anyways. That's all we do. I like what Tony Evans says about Jonah. He said he believes that uh, I've always thought about it, uh, when, when, about it, uh, Jonah, when the whale took him and dropped him off in Nineveh. That's what I was taught in Sunday school and everything. Tony Evans says he believes the whale dropped him back off of where he started from, right at the port where he started. So he had to get back on the boat and have another decision point. Am I going to go towards Tarsus or am I going to go ahead and go to Nineveh? I like that idea because a lot of times we reset our lives and just have to do things double, triple, quadruple times until we finally are obedient to God and do what he told us to do in the first place. So instead of going from A to B, we do the zigzag motion all over the place like the children in the wilderness. If you look at what they did in the wilderness and the path they took after they didn't go into the promised land the first time, literally all God did was lead them around like this all over the place for 40 years. Not, no destination in mind until it was time to take it back to the promised land. And you and I spend our lives because of pride and fear, because that's, oh my goodness, that's what kept the, uh, uh, the children of Israel out of, uh, of the promised land the first time, was pride and fear, a pride believing they knew better than God, and fear of the people, the enemy that was there. And so that's what kept them out the first time. And so they wandered for 40 years. Some of you are wandering and wandering and wandering. You got some good times. Uh, you've had some times there and there when you've been obedient. Uh, you've, you've seen God do a thing or two here and there. God's used you here and there, but ultimately, you're still caught in the wilderness, and you wonder why we're miserable, and you wonder why uh, you, you're, you're not happy, and you wonder why you keep getting stuck in the same old routine. It's because we're stuck in the wilderness of pride and fear. Wow. <laughs> and you say, oh, I'm going to do this for God, and you do it once, and then you quit. Uh, well, they didn't support me, or this didn't happen, or that didn't happen. I'm guilty of that. I start a Bible study, no one shows up, I gave up. Or I start a Bible study, and only my mom and Miss Kim and Kelly show up, and honestly, it's discouraging, and I gave up. That's, that's wandering in the wilderness, doing everything over and over and over and over again. Amen. Not doing what you're supposed to do because of pride and fear. For me, it's pride and, well, only my family's showing up. You know, I'm doing all this study and all this work and all this energy and only my family's showing up. And my mom, I would complain to my mom and I would complain to my wife and my mom and my wife would say, we ain't important. Right. Well, right. Right. And that's a challenge. Right. And that's pride. And then fear of rejection. Believe it or not, uh, when, when people don't come to an event or something and, and, and any of you who have planned anything know what I'm talking about. You have a fear of no one showing up, and you take that as rejection. Yes. You have a fear that no one's going to support you, and you're going to be rejected. Pride and fear will keep us sidelined, and the enemy will do whatever he can to feed both. Amen. Yes. And so you and I must do a, a very deep introspection. Why are we making excuses not to serve God? Why are you and I making excuses to keep living the same way we've always lived, doing the same thing that we've always done, just drifting? Just drifting in the water aimlessly, wondering why we have no fulfillment, wondering why we just keep going in the same path, following the current over and over again. Uh, it's, it's because we're allowing fear and pride 
to control us and not the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. So if God has laid something upon your heart, stop arguing with Him. If God has laid something upon your mind to do, stop fighting with Him. If God has called you, take that first step. I don't care how simple it is or it seems to you, I don't care. Don't be controlled by pride and the fear. That's what the devil does. He controls us through pride and fear. And then as long as he can keep us tied up in ourselves, because it all comes down to selfishness and self-centeredness, how am I affected? He keeps us so tied up in ourselves that we never reach anyone outside of ourselves. Pride and fear will affect every aspect of your life. It'll keep you from praying. It'll keep you from serving God. It'll keep you from reading your Bible. It'll keep you from spending time with God. It'll, it'll destroy your life. Because pride and fear are rooted in selfishness and self-centeredness. It'll keep you from walking in your calling. It'll keep you from walking in your purpose. It is so destructive. It's so destructive. And, and, and the devil will use it in anyone's life. And no one is beyond being brought in and tripped up by pride and fear. All of us are are, are susceptible to pride and fear. I want to bring up one more. You say, Pastor Curtis, you just beating us over the head this morning. And let me tell you, I beat myself over the head as well. But I want to talk about Joseph for just a second. And it's hard to give Joseph a lot of, uh, uh, to do him justice and, and a short excerpt like this, but Joseph is the perfect example of someone who, it wasn't necessarily pride or fear, it was circumstance. He was facing some circumstances that even though they were God's will, it seemed like God was dragging his feet. And some of us, I feel like we have a call on our lives and we want to do something, but the door is just not opening for us when God says, I am preparing you for when the door opens. Right? Joseph did not, when he had the dream that his brothers and his dad bowed down to him, not just once, but twice. And he ran out and he told everybody. Not very wise on his part. That's why he ended up in a pit, by the way. It wasn't his, he, he got himself in the pit when he came out between daddy, the daddy's favoritism, and him going, ha, someday. You're going to bow down and bow down to me and honor me as leader over you. That's why they got jealous and they threw him in a pit. Thank God for Reuben, who uh, came back and talked him out of killing him. Yeah. Right? But God had a plan and purpose that started in that pit. God gave Joseph the dream. God said, this is my calling for you. This is my purpose. And he burned that to be a leader in Joseph from the time that he was a, a child. He was to be a leader, and he birthed that in him. And Joseph's immaturity, he made some decisions that landed him in a pit. But God was still with him in the pit. Yes. For he used even one of his brothers, who they threw him in there. One of his brothers kept him from being killed. So even though Joseph got himself put in the pit, 
God was with him in the pit. It was part of the process. And so God uh, got him out of the pit, but not really into a better circumstance. He was alive, but now he was a slave. And then he did all the right things because he was a natural leader. And people were gravitated, and he was good at what he did in his personality. He was born and fashioned by God to be one purpose, and that was to lead Egypt when God had him to be there. He was so good at it and had God's favor and anointing so strong on him that he was ultimately recognized and brought into the house, right, uh, a Potiphar, a ruler. And Potiphar loved him so much, every day Joseph touched was blessed because God's favor was on him, uh, that Potiphar elevated him up to be the leader of his household. And Joseph's being comfortable in the leader of his household. And so Potiphar's wife says, hey, he's pretty good looking. And a stumbling block was placed in front of Joseph. And even though Joseph made the right decision and said no, he still suffered the consequences for it. And he was put in prison. Now this doesn't sound like the story of a man who was, God had a dream that God placed a call on his heart when he was a little boy and had a dream that said, someday I'm, I'm the sun and my, the moon and the stars will bow down to me. Uh, and Sunday, I, uh, you were the bales of, of grain, but I was the bigger bale of grain, and the little bales of grain bowed down to me. God had told him he was going to be a leader. God had favored him to be a leader. God had called him to be a leader. God had given him this passion, this vision. God had given him this desire in his heart. He knew what it was. He wanted to walk in it. He was excited about it. But every time the kids started to have a little bit of success, he got knocked back down. Why? Because God was preparing him so that when he got to the position of leadership, he would be free of pride and fear. Because he had to be free of pride and fear to do what God had him to do. Yes. So he got to where he was special in the eyes of Potiphar. And then he experienced a setback that wasn't his fault. He was sent to jail. In jail, he was got, again, so much favor by God and a natural leader that the jailer put him in charge of the other, over the other prisoners. The jailer said, I don't even need to be here, Joseph, you got this. That is a man of integrity, a man who was called, a man that is favored by God. That, oh my goodness, every situation that he was put in, he became and rose to the occasion, whether it was glamorous or not. Listen to me this morning. Some of you have not recognized that God has used you where you're at because it's not glamorous enough. You are in a position and you are serving God, but it's not what you wanted. It's not what you thought God had for you to do in this moment. God has the bigger plan and focus, but be successful and be used by him where you're at. Joseph had these points. Was it where he was going to be? No. But he has these points in his life where God put him in positions to be used by him to walk in his calling, to satisfy the calling, to prepare him for when the calling got bigger. To walk in fullness when the time actually came. Serve God where you're at. Don't keep looking for the pipe dream of the future or keep wishing for something more, but serve God where you're planted and allow him to handle the rest. Amen. Serve him where you're at. 
Don't be discouraged if you're in the jail when God promotes you to be the one who's over all the prisoners. Serve him with integrity. Show him who your God is. Show them how much you love God. Be that leader where he's placed you to lead. He gained favor in the eyes of the sale, those who were in the cell. And two guys had a dream, the cupbearer and the baker. And Joseph interpreted their dreams for him. And basically, I believe, I can't remember which down my mind. One of them, uh, the king was going to kill, and the other one was going to be restored to their position. Uh, and so uh, the one who was restored to his position said, Joseph, uh, what can I do for you? And Joseph said, just remember me when you get before the king. Let the king know I'm down here and let him know that uh, who I am about my integrity. Well, when he got up there, uh, the guy quickly forgot about Joseph. And so Joseph was rejected. Joseph was basically putting his resume out there and hoping someone would hire him. But when the time was right, the king had a dream. Mm -hmm. And that servant who had forgotten about Joseph when the king was so upset that he could not interpret the dream, that servant said, listen, there's this dude when I was in prison. When I was in jail and uh, he interpreted the dream and it came true for both myself and, and this other guy. So the king called for Joseph. And Joseph went before the king, interpreted the dream. And the dream was is that the nation, that the whole region would come under have uh, years of surplus, but then they would have an equal number of years of, of famine. And so the king honored Joseph, the Pharaoh honored Joseph, brought him up to the top, and eventually. Joseph led the kingdom. The Pharaoh just sat back and enjoyed Joseph's work. Joseph was essentially the ruler of Egypt. The Bible says there was no one higher in Egypt except the Pharaoh. Now, if Joseph had pride, he would have never done for his brothers what he did. If he'd had pride, he would have never taken his brothers and had mercy on them. And if he had not had mercy on them, they would have died out, and the only person left would have been Joseph. But because Joseph had been dealt with, and the pride was gone, and the fear was gone, he wasn't afraid anymore. He was solid in who God made him to be and what God had purposed him to do. And because he did not have either of those things in his life when his brothers came before him, had mercy on them, his father and they became the nation of Israel. That is what obedience will do. Free of pride and free of fear. But sometimes you and I get frustrated as God's teaching us and training us. And he's getting that fear and that pride. He's trying to get it out of us and the preparation process. He's trying to clean us of that fear, and he's trying to clean us of that pride. 
We need to focus on what God has called us to do and recognize that what God has given you and I to do belongs to him, was written by him, we're his poem, and that he's the owner of it. All we get to do is use it. And it is an honor to be used by God. If you and I will view it as an honor to be used by God, there is not a word spoken by man or Satan that will keep us from walking in God's purpose. Amen. The problem is, and I am guilty, many of us do not understand or appreciate the honor it is to be used by God. Right. If we really understood the honor it was that God has placed upon you and I to use us, we would walk without question, regardless of any interaction from any other person on the face of this earth. No matter what we faced, no matter our circumstances, because we'd appreciate that God gave us an opportunity. The one who died for us, who loved us so much he gave his life for us, gave us an opportunity to be used by him so that he might have mercy on somebody else. The greatest honor you can get is being used by God. Amen. All of those other things pass away, but God's favor never passes away. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 224. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.